Our customers became our engineers. We always listen to them and we always produce and develop what they are looking for. At the beginning, we only had a few solutions. Either it's ice cream bike, a coffee bike, but we got a call one day and the lady, she got in love with the design, but she had such a limited space so she could not feed the bicycle and the cart in her storefront. So she kindly asked and she was even willing to pay extra to remove the bicycle and attach two more wheels so she could just use it as a push cart. At the beginning, it was a little bit shocking request because the idea was to build a bicycle and hearing about the push cart was a little bit unusual. And we started thinking about this. What if we can come up with a push cart that are elegant and they still have the same functionality? So that's what we did. For any world-changing innovation, there was a moment, an event, a realization that sparked the idea. I'm your host, Donna Laughlin, and over the last 20 years, I've brought more than 500 companies to market with my agency, LMGPR. So I know a thing or two about a great story. On this podcast, I'll take you behind the scenes with visionaries from an array of industries and philosophies who are shaping our world and our future. Grab your passport and let's go on a journey together. Did you know that there are more than a billion bicycles in the world? That's a lot of people biking at any given time. But until now, bikes have been mostly limited to commuting, recreation, and exercise. Our guest this week, Ferris Bashnik, brings the world a totally new, sustainable, smart metro approach. Ferris is the visionary founder of Furla Bikes, maker of custom e-bike-powered food and retail carts. Inspired by the European cargo bike, the product is basically a tricycle with two wheels in front, a wheel in the back, and a wooden box compartment. Sounds simple, it's anything but. He's adapted his foundation for all sorts of vendors with over 15 models. These sleek and cool bikes serve up anything from coffee to ice cream to hot dogs. There's even a s'mores bike with a fire pit. Join us as we dive into all that and more, including Ferris's amazing entrepreneurial journey, which started as many great founder stories do, with empathy. I want to go back to the earlier years before you came to the United States, before sure. you realized that you need to take this on. So where did you grow up? So I grew up in Kazakhstan. I grew up in very loving and happy family. It's so hard to identify myself because my dad is also an immigrant. He came to Soviet Union when he was 18. He was a very extraordinary young man. He got granted to study in Soviet Union. There we didn't have, you know, separation in the countries. So he got granted to study for free. And his main focus and concern was education. He used to tell me that the knowledge is the power. And where did he come from? From Syria. Okay, so Syria to yeah. Russia. To Russia, yeah, to Soviet Union, Russia. He came to Leningrad. And then one of his best teacher told him, look, there is a city called Almata. It's a very green city. You will love it. It's not well populated. It has a great culture. You should definitely go and check it out. And he went there. He fell in love 
with the nature, with the people, with diversity of that city. And he actually stayed there and he met my mom and he never went back to where he was born. So and so what was your your father was what was his advocation? He in the in the early 90s he opened his business. He started selling the parts for the cars. He became a huge retailer for Mercedes and BMW. And later on he moved his business to real estate, commercial real estate and residential real estate. So clearly after the Soviet change and, and the economic boom was happening with entrepreneurship he was out of the gate an entrepreneur. Exactly. Yeah. He came with a one suitcase and a guitar. <laughs> he didn't know any language. So you can imagine that, you know, he used to read from right to the left. And at his 18, he needs to start from all over again, pretty much from the alphabet all the way to, you know, numbers. Everything was different. Now he reads, he writes in Russian, and it's it's pretty funny how he, he made it. He used to tell me, like, you know, you can't expect to get what you want. You have to build it. And I think it just came to me naturally, seeing building his life, our family, from the ground up, zero connections whatsoever. And what did you take from that? What did you learn from that experience watching him? Never give up. Believe in yourself. It's like I had several times when I actually thought that I'm going to close Ferla just because it didn't go... <laughs> well from the beginning, but talking to him over the night and he's like, son, you know, just keep pushing, keep pushing. That's, I guess, what I got from him. So he's not only your father, he's your advisor. He's my advisor. You know, I'm very blessed to have a family that always supported my abnormal ideas. You could imagine that they work so hard. They sent me to Switzerland. They always had resources for my education. It was never a question. Family value. Family value. My dad could buy him a new car, but instead he was he he decided to send me abroad to get the best education possible. <laughs> and then after I finished it, I told him, parents, I think I want to open my own business instead of going through the career. That was a little bit shocking, I think. What did your mother do? How did she influence you? Oh, extreme support. Anything that I have in mind, she would never say no. She would always support me. And I am so blessed that they didn't tell me that, Ferris, you know, I think it's not a good idea to do either a catering business that I started with in the United States or to do our furlough company. I heard a lot from my friends. I heard a lot from my relatives that, Ferris, I think this is like, it's not a working idea. You know, you should do something else. You should do something more traditional. But I never heard that from my mom. And I remember late nights when we were talking about and I was sharing, you know, different ideas with her. She said, I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. I think it's unique. Do it. I'm I'm always you. I'll support you. And I think that helped me a lot because everyone needs the support. And it was very crucial to me. Was your mother running your father's business alongside him or was she a homemaker? No, she was She was actually an entrepreneur as well. Uh, she went ahead and she opened a huge supermarket with a very specialty, again, unique products from overseas, from Italy, France, with the help of the father. So it was always a bond that 
they build up together. And later on, she went for a beauty salon. So she opened like a little spa salon in Kazakhstan, in Almaty. And she got involved into cosmetology and just things around it. So how does one, you know, in I'm in Silicon Valley and surrounded by all these venture capitalists and, and entrepreneurial funding pots and angels. How does a, 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 a your parents who have limited, you know, accessibility to a lot of things that were that we might be used to in North America, obviously very resourceful. Like, how does one get funded for the type of businesses that your parents are doing? You just, you know, go, don't get funded by venture capital do you go to the bank like is the is there entrepreneurial inspirational resources there and just educate us a little bit absolutely i think it's through a hustle it's not through a funding my dad was an immigrant no connections no government subsidies or any sort of connections it's through little things that they started together. They never started with like, you know, physical store or real estate. They started from little things and they had a little kiosk that they rented. And it was just a little kiosk to sell necessities like water, juices, you know, and how they journey begin. And then later on, they tried several things. Some things didn't work, some worked. And they were just constantly saving, constantly working together, saving up money for something big and incredible they made. So then you you leave the country and you go to Switzerland. Tell us about that European experience in studying hotel management. What what drew you to that to that, that degree and in, in study? You know, it was a completely different atmosphere, completely different environment. I came from Kazakhstan to Switzerland. I mean, Switzerland is, is Switzerland. It's so organized, so clean, precise, <laughs> exactly. People are not rushing. It's just very peaceful and quiet environment. It was very challenging in a way because you have a different educational platform there to Kazakhstan. I was by myself. And I think that something helped me tremendously to become an, a person who I am right now, become an independent person. I had to figure out everything by myself. I, I didn't have mother or father next to me, friends. I had to meet people. So you're going through a lot of the same experiences that your father did at a very young age of the going from being in a place that was, you know, home and then going into this new country, being the immigrant and rediscovering things, right? Which is, you know, the world is your oyster when you're at that <laughs> age. So what did you really learn, take away from that experience? And, and did you did you work during that period of time as well, like in hospitality and hotel management? Absolutely, yes. I work in the two-star mission restaurant and five-star hotels over there. I was lucky enough and I was pushing boundaries to stay within the Switzerland since I had that opportunity. It wasn't an easy to stay there. Usually for internship, people used to go to China, United Emirates and different countries. But I, my, my goal, my plan was to stay in Switzerland as much as I can. So I did work in the two-star Michelin restaurant. That was a good experience. And I'm passionate about hotels and restaurants until now. I mean, this is my, I would say, 
the thing that I want to do eventually, maybe opening up a small restaurant for my friends, and <laughs> is just for my soul, just because I love everything about the restaurants and hotels. It's just I decided to do something different, something more meaningful at the moment. And tapping into what your mother also being, you said, was very into food in, in kind of the Epicurean space. So absolutely channeling her entrepreneurship. So when you got out of college, what did you do? Uh, Were you still working in these restaurants or did you take on a different position? It was a very interesting system that we had in Switzerland. Uh, so it's a, the internship was mandatory. You need to obtain your internship. You need to pass your internship in order to fulfill your first year, second year, third year of the college. So for the duration of four and a half months, we have been studying theory, practice, and then, as I mentioned, it was a mandatory internship for the duration of four to six months. I always choose six months so I could get more experience in the field. And that was my journey. So it was a paid internship. It helped me to cover my personal expenses, a bill, so I could help my parents to get through this challenging time. The education wasn't cheap, so I had to support them as much as I can. So I work in three different establishments. So ultimately, you came to United States. What brought you to the U.S.? So I moved to the United States in 2013. So moving to a new country is not easy at all. Um, again, again, another another episode of my life. And I always compare moving to a new country is like an army. You start from the bottom and you learn the system. You know, you need to build up your credit and etc. But what made me move to United States was actually an opportunity. We all come here for opportunities, and I want to try something new. So I I gave my, my myself a chance. I didn't know I will be staying in the United States. This is, was just I was in an exploration mode. So where did the exploration ultimately take you? So I got a management training when I just moved to United States, particularly Los Angeles. I got a management training at Hilton for one year. It was a very firm and strict contract. I had a last time I got promoted twice for the duration of one year. But my entrepreneurial spirit was always with me like I, I knew I have to do something for myself. I knew I have to build my own dream. And that would lead me to during staying in the United States, just to seeing so much potential you have here and everything is possible. You know, you don't need to have certain connections. Like we we say that in our country, that's how it works. And in Switzerland, it was a very slow path. You could also build something great there, I believe, but it just takes much longer time. So United States was the place that opens up all the opportunities for you. You want to do catering, please. You want to do e-commerce, it's also available for you. I think there is no limit here and you can build pretty much anything in this beautiful country. And now we get to the heart of Ferris's big breakthrough. Furla bikes is a special kind of bike, not for commuting, not for couriers, but for food and retail entrepreneurs. It's an e-bike with a mission. Here we dive into how Ferris's experience as an immigrant inspired him to create something totally new. So Ferris, how is your product different from other e-bikes? 
Well, I would like to begin that the idea originally was really abnormal. You know, most e-bike companies in U.S., they're focusing on large-scale business segment, general e-bikes, and probably it makes sense for business purposes. When it comes to our idea, it was really crazy in a way to start something like this. People didn't believe in us at the beginning. Like, what is this? I should buy a food truck or I should buy a concession trailer. Like how I would pedal this. And it was really hard to prove the concept, really hard. And I think the priority for us was not financial, not money. I want to do something meaningful. I want to do something new. And I want to bring this culture to US. So I think it's really important nowadays to look outside of the box and offer an opportunity, especially for young entrepreneurs, to get into the business. I mean, nowadays, especially with all this inflation and craziness that's happening in the world, it's so hard to open the business. I remember when I came to this country, I always wanted to open the business. That was crucial for me. I started researching since I study hospitality and restaurant management. I want to jump into the restaurant and I needed like a half a million to open a brick and mortar location. And I was like, what do I need to do? I didn't have my credit bill at that moment. I didn't have any connection, any resources. It's like, it's, it's pretty much impossible. The second alternative was a food truck, and I started looking at it. It's like almost 100,000. And I thought, we have to do something else. We, we have to be accessible. We have to create something. And that's how Ferla began, you know, coffee stands and coffee bikes. So just picture a bike with a vending platform, espresso machine on it, refrigerator, freezer. Later on, we added a solar panel. So it's a self-contained bicycle that could be used for any business. It can be coffee bike on wheels, it can be an ice cream business, or it can be a merch business, it can be closing business, or it can be experiential marketing that we lately find out that um, we got a lot of interest from larger corporations. So Furla has, is, is basically, it's a duo business. You have the commercial side entrepreneurial business that you describe, which is, bicycles that are designed custom for an array of different businesses, whether it's you know, coffee, it's ice cream, it's caviar, it could be flower stands, you know, anything you might see in a farmer's market or like a high-end grocery store, right? Supply supply chain obviously is, you know, is, is really key. It's become even more something of the expectation, particularly in America, and maybe the pandemic even pushed that more. But then you also have this other side, which is more of the recreational side. So talk us through your business plan. What were you first, what did you realize? I mean, was it on a napkin? Was it a whiteboard? Or were you just on a bike ride and just said, you know what? I'm going to create this business and this is my approach. You know, for me, it's simple. My previous business was a catering. It was very successful. We served over thousand celebrities, even more. But when I questioned myself after each project of being in the catering business, is that something quite myself? And I just realized that, you know, I have to do something impactful. And that was the, the only criteria that I was looking for. So <laughs> it was simple and it was just around the right time. One day I saw an old woman pushing her cart. It was a stand. 
and she was barely pushing up the hill. So I just ran to her and I helped her pushing. While was it push- a grocery cart or a no, 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 it was it, it was a, it was a stand, you know, like a food stand, a f- okay. fruit cart. Mm-hmm. That we see on pretty much in every corner of of LA, and it was almost impossible to maneuver. It was so heavy; it was leaking. I remember how I pushed with her up the hill. We made it, <laughs> but I just, you know, I thought that we have to do something else with it. So, what was your motivation then to take that idea and then create Furla? And what does Furla actually mean? Absolutely. So since then, I couldn't stop about thinking about this idea. And usually when this happened, I, I can't sleep, I, I can't eat. I was like, okay, like, let's see what is out there, what can be done, and start looking for a concept that already existed in Europe. I was so shocked because I visioned this concept and I find out that there's something similar in Europe, but not quite yet. So I started looking into different manufacturers and I knew that I have to connect the solution with the bike, no matter what. And the first prototype was pretty simple. It's pretty much just a bicycle in the box. Pretty much we call it tricycle. So it has two wheels in the front, long tail, wheel in the back, and a wooden box, a wooden compartment. It had an opening from the top, it had an opening from the side. So it was a very similar basic concept. And it it was a huge success for me. And I was like, wow, it's working. Like what if we can add an electric assist so you don't have to pedal, or even if you have, it will help you and that's how we start developing improving and now we have units 100 self-contained with refrigeration freezer stations solar panels led lights all over the place a self-contained sink we have two tanks we have a water pump so pretty much it's your self-contained cafe on wheels yeah very sophisticated now you're building these in la obviously you're not building these solo. You have a team of people that are experts in, in wood as well as just, you know, industrial design. Like, how did you assemble your team? So we do the final assembly here in Los Angeles. We manufacture most of the components, including the bicycle components, the frame, the frame for for the box. We manufacture and produce overseas. We're looking forward to launch our production department very soon, where we can bring when we can start actually welding and do metal work, woodwork here in house in the United States, and we have we will have more control. But at the moment, we partner with the factory that makes us a frame, and we do all the assembly in-house. So say I have a flower shop, but I also want to sell coffee. So how do you help me solve that and bring my my vision and my business to life? Our customers became our engineers, pretty much. We always listen to them and we always produce and develop what they're looking for. At the beginning, we only had a few solutions. Either it's an ice cream bike, a coffee bike. At the moment, we have over 15 different models. We we got a call one day and the lady wanted to do... She, she got in love with the design, but she had a, such a limited space, so she could not feed the bicycle and the cart, the entire company apartment in her storefront. So she kindly asked, and she was even willing to pay extra to remove the bicycle from the back 
and attach uh, two more wheels so she could just use it as a push cart. Well, at, at the beginning, it was a little bit shocking request because the idea was to build a bicycle with compartment sections and hearing about the push cart was a little bit unusual. But we never decline any request and we start thinking about this. What if we can come up with a push cart that are elegant and they still have the same functionality so that's what we did we are we're using bicycle slash motorcycle wheels they're a little bit thicker than on the regular bicycle so we're using a fat tire application and it still shows that we came our background was a bicycle originally but we actually made several designs of push cars so it took us a year to develop and apparently they became our top sellers. What type of businesses benefit from the cart versus the pedal? Brick and mortar locations are heavily interested in our cars just because of their limitation of the space. I would also include shopping malls. I'll include experiential marketing campaigns where they are doing some sort of production in a, such a limited space capacity. That where it actually works the best and for the catering purposes as well as you know because w when it comes to catering you need to bring a card to to the space and it's much harder to do with the bike so what is the price range for the bicycles and for the carts maybe give us a range so our idea was to provide the entire spectrum of pricing and available options for every customer that comes to Furla. So we're still working hard and striving to create a low entry point, low entry models such as Furla mini bike. It starts at $22.99. You can start your own business as low as $2,299. And it goes up to $10,000. That will be our Furla X. It's top of the line model. It has a refrigeration system, it has a solar panel, it has electrical assist, it has a sink. So pretty much fully loaded bicycle. So, And you compare that to a food truck and, and it's you know, much more affordable. So let's talk about the sustainability aspect. And California particularly is leading the, the race for zero carbon. How does Furla help meet this goal for businesses? Because there's, you know, instead of doing the food truck, which are typically, you know, fuel powered, you have a whole community of new businesses and entrepreneurs using two, three, four wheels. So the idea behind was to actually help environment. As you know, Los Angeles is uh, has a really bad pollution and all the food trucks, they're using generators. They're using gasoline generators and they produce pollution. And that's why we came with a solar panel application with the battery packs in place. So this is what we're trying to achieve. And we are working with several different battery companies that we can bring heavy duty batteries that we are actually don't need to use any electricity anymore. It's all self-contained. And that's, that's another uh, achievement that we're trying to do. Hey there, it's Donna. I want to invite you to go check out some of our past conversations with game changers and innovators who are shaping our future. Like baker Rebecca Hamilton, who grew her kitchen-based business to over a million dollars in sales. I could imagine her pedaling around town selling her cupcakes and sweet treats. 
out on a furla bike. I never in a million years thought that a small local bakery could be that successful, let alone the fact that I dropped out of high school at 16, I moved out on my own, and I had all of these challenges that I faced. And somebody like me, who's not kind of an underdog in that situation, was able to start this business and grow it to over a million in sales. I learned something, actually a lot of somethings, every time I talk to a new guest. They're pioneers. They're thought leaders in their fields. They all have inspiring stories to tell, and I share them with you every week. So if you're enjoying these episodes, please hit subscribe and join me for more stories about the moments before it happened. So during the pandemic, when a lot of businesses were shut down for a while, did you see a surge in the pandemic of people going because their restaurants are closed down or other services? Was this a new frontier, an opportunity for them? I felt really hurt seeing many restaurants got shut down and we didn't know which direction Furla will take. Either it will affect us in a bad way or it will just help us to grow our business even further. Fortunately, we help many businesses to save their name, save their business. You're right, they shut down the restaurant, but they had always an opportunity to come to us and just do slightly different way of serving their product. Either it's a coffee shop or a taco stand. We help them a lot. We had we had problems with the supplies. That's what actually hurt us producing the required amount of products. But besides... So you use a lot of wood for your cart. So was it wood or was it what other supply components besides wood? It was a little bit of everything. Mainly it was a bicycle components. It was a huge boom in Europe in the United States for all bicycle components, factories got shut down and they couldn't sustain the demand. So we simply didn't have enough wheels, brakes, and mm. we had to source from other suppliers. We even had to source from private sellers and we had to pay like five times more than the actual cost just so we can sustain a production. To me, the, the picture you paint with, with for the bikes is that it's fairly healthy, more sustainable green metropolis, whether it be you know a small town or, or a big city, you have businesses that are using alternative, you know, carts and bicycles for their businesses, whether it be, you know, food or or retail type of extensions, right? But then you have another part, which I think is exciting, which is the the family bike. Let's talk about the family bike. So just to be clear, what came first, the the business commercial bikes or the family furla bikes? The business idea came first and it took some time to establish. And I have been always like this personally. I think that what's Strive Furla to bring new products is because I, I, I can produce or I can develop same things over and over. We have a rule in the company, we we must release at least one or two products per year. Otherwise, we just get bored. <laughs> Did you release new products in 2022? Yes, yes, it's coming and it's very exciting. But the idea again came to me very naturally. I always had a passion for kids and 
family time spent together was my my passion i always dream i always was thinking what i can create develop something for the entire family business products are great but I want to do something fun. So th that's how the Furla family idea came with the cargo bikes. I got extremely passionate about this and I wanted to bring this European culture to United States. I mean, in Denmark, pretty much every household has a cargo bike. And for them, it's not for fun. It's pretty much a method of transportation. And to be honest, I couldn't believe that at the beginning. I was like, okay, probably for a U.S. market, it will be a leisure product. It won't be a necessity product. But I'm so happy to hear these phone calls when people telling me, we're in the process of selling our second car in order to get a furlough bike. We're planning to use your cargo bike to bring our kids to school, shop for groceries, and just get around. We are tired of paying gas prices. We're tired of paying insurance, parking, etc. And we want to do something great for the nature. And I'm like, yes. Well, it's interesting because it's like everything old is new again, right? I mean, bicycles have been around since the 19th century. But now, you know, we, I think we got lost in the midst of, you know, advancement in technology and innovation, right? And you have a lot of, you know, technology, you know, in your your commercial bikes, but, you know, we celebrate, you know, Bike to Work Day and, and Earth Day. And you see an increase of people, you know, on, on the road, on their bicycles, but bicycles in the United States have just have not been treated with the same respect, I think, as they have in many of the European and, and Asia countries that we talked about. And so these cargo bikes are so cool because I see kids, their family pedaling and, and they're, they're, you know, they're really safe for the kids. The kids are sitting up higher. They're, you know, it's green, it's sustainable, it's fun. You get, I've seen, you know, people put dogs in these car, you know, in the cargo part along, along with the kids. And as you described, they become a way of life, not just a replacement, right? It's a new consciousness and a way of life. What is your hope? for a greener future? Because now the city, the metropolitan that you, that you visualize is both work and, you know, conscious, you know, driven business, but console, conscious driven families. Like what is your hope for a greener future and how is FERLA going to, you know, continue to be part of that? Absolutely. Well, I believe we have power and responsibility to make society more inclusive for everyone. And what I mean by that, our main mission for the cargo bikes, it's help different able community dramatically. I was shocked that until recently, there was no solution for such a minority of people. We wanted to create different solution instead of having a wheelchair. And the solution was the cargo bike. So now they can fill like any uh, other child and it's actually helped them to go through some challenges that they're experiencing it helps them to feel the air we always hearing this comment so it's like a roller coaster the kids and i think this is this is very important to to create some sort of solution well accessibility right you said inclusion accessibility right. but also if you take that same joy that you had when you personally ride a bicycle or a motorcycle and you put it into that joy in your product, that's at the end of the day, probably what brings you, you know, does that bring you most excitement? I mean, 
I was thinking about the, the woman on the hill too with the fruit cart, as well as that, you know, giving her that freedom and that accessibility as well, right? Making it easier for her to do her job. It's kind of twofold in both sides of your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have a client, they are professional cyclists, both of them, wife and husband, and they have a child with autism syndrome. And unfortunately, they couldn't cycle together. She needs to stay with the son or either him needs to do that. And they were doing that solo all the time. And they came to our office and they tried the bike. They fell in love. They had the tears and they got a bike. And later on, we just realized that they are now cycling together. So the entire family is together. And this is what really makes me do this and wake up every day and go to work and create something better for the community. Well, you know, I have a couple ideas for Furla. I would really like to see books on wheels you know, to get out to you know, places, people, we have through the cities, multiple cities, these little book kiosks, but not everybody's mobile, as you mentioned. And so you imagine somebody peddling, you know, books and bringing books into communities or to shut-ins. But this time of year, uh, you know, for a hot chocolate, you know, cart, it makes great sense. But a s'mores cart, I think would be a really cool entrepreneur idea. Uh, I've seen crepe carts and I've seen ice cream, but you know, s'mores are kind of, I don't know, kind of fun, but it sounds like just, you know, it's unstoppable imagineering of what you can do with a Furla bike. May, may I surprise you, please? We we actually did a s'mores bike. We installed a fire pit on the bike. We had to cover the wood compartment entirely with a stainless steel surface. And we actually designed a custom bracket to install a full-size gas tank. And it has a beautiful fire pit that you can do s'mores. It has a station for the s'mores. We made it out of the Grande bike. And it was a custom project for one of the famous hotel. And to add a little bit on this, we also did a custom book delivery bike. It was a very interesting and cool project that we did. So we should just promote that more. We didn't we didn't do like, you know, hundreds of s'mores bikes, but I think it's a cool idea. Got a big business idea and want to start small? Two wheels might be the scalable and sustainable answer. And why spend $100,000 outfitting a food truck when you can get a Furla bike for less than 10? Furla is not only great for businesses, but it's also great for the community, making sales engagement more social as well as carbon friendly. For more cool designs, customer stories, and inspiration, check out the gallery and blog over at furlabikes.com. Thank you for listening. Follow Before It Happened on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Before It Happened is produced by me, Donna Laughlin, along with Studio Pod Media. The executive producer is Katie Sunku Wood. And all episodes are written and developed by Susanna Camp with additional editing and music provided by Noda Lab. <laughs>